What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome back to another episode of Living Life Intently. I'm one of the hosts, Lee Frazier. And I'm Jonathan Canary. What's up, man? What is up? We're in Halifax. Made the treacherous journey up through the freezing rain and snow, and uh, that was only on Cape Breton Island we came up. It was great. Yeah, and the rest of the drive was, was we cruised into the city, hung out, uh, went to a show last night. Um, that was fun. I left early, though. I didn't see you that. left early. Yeah. But listen, we got some shots for the vlog anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. All you guys can watch the nonsense we got up to yeah. this weekend. Yeah. So we're in town uh, recording a couple podcasts. Um, firstly, it's uh, this one here is with Noah Booth from Northern Scavenger, um, and we had a blast sitting down with Noah and and you know talking a little bit of gear, a little bit of shop trips, how he plans for his uh, bigger you know month long expeditions and trips, um, uh, canoe trips and stuff like that too, and uh, what goes into it and what goes into the planning. Um, before we jump into the podcast, I'm just going to mention that uh, we're still looking for another two people to join us on the Cross the Highlands expedition coming up. February 20th, the 26th. Um, got two spots left on that. Uh, that is a five day snowshoe trip from Inganish to Shetty Camp. Uh, we bookend it by staying at the Inverary Inn uh, in Bedeck. Have fun. Sit in the hot tub at the end. You know? Highly, highly recommend one of the most important things I've done in my entire life, I think. So it's, it's uh, and everybody does it for a different reason. Um, if you're at all interested in doing any of this stuff, uh, we do supply the majority of the main kit. Uh, if you have your own stuff, there's a different rate if, um, if you want to supply all your tent sleep bags and stuff but we do supply all the base kit that you need uh other than your personal items like clothing and stuff like that too but we send full gear lists that sort of stuff out um i know it's coming close to the date but if you have any interest um you can cruise back in this podcast and there's two episodes um one from last year uh, across the highlands recap and then there is another one from a couple years ago when we did it uh, mm-hmm. with some of the guides and myself discussing the trip uh, so you can see what you you get into but this is definitely a um a way to push your comfort zone and and get out there specifically winter stuff is 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 uh also challenging but that's a bit on that um other than that uh all the bookings for the campground and stuff is is all live on the website uh so if you're looking to book a trip early um live live um i've been working through all the stuff that need to fix on the website adding some new stuff we're looking to add some canoe routes so if you're looking to paddle any of the rivers in marguerite uh, we'll have tons of information on there hopefully by the end of this month uh, so you can kind of do a little bit research and see if you want to do a full day trip half day trip or spend the night on the marguerite river um but yeah other than that you got anything to mention let's listen to this week's misadventure before we jump into noah Roger, Roger. Okay, uh, so which one do we got up first? Uh, I got one sent to me from Laura Whalen. Hi, my name is Laura Whalen. I'm from Whites Lake, Nova Scotia, currently residing in Halifax. This story I'm about to tell took place uh, at Kedji National Park last summer, uh, backcountry site number nine. Uh, so we were at the picnic table, just having a few snacks, chatting, and then we decided to go down to the beach to watch the sunset. We were down at the beach for maybe 15 to 20 minutes before we decided to come back up to the picnic and camping area and pack up our food and go to bed. So we had food barrels, so we packed those up and then hung them in the tree hangers that are at Keji and went to bed. The next morning when I woke up, I went and took down the barrel from the tree hanger and opened it up to get to my breakfast item. And I noticed a little bit of black plasticky shavings on the top item. I thought that was really strange. I didn't really know what it was. Showed my friend. He wasn't really sure. So I just disregarded it and moved the item to get to the breakfast item. And then I noticed some more black stuff, except for this time it wasn't plastic shavings it looked more like poop (laughs) so I thought okay a mouse got in my barrel and pooped in my barrel gross um so I kept taking things out I had to clean things off as I took them out and then a mouse ran out of the barrel I kept taking things out and then another mouse ran out of the barrel so two mice were in my barrel all night hung up in a tree just feasting on all of our food. So they got into our bread, an unopened bag of chips, 
all of our snacks, like candy, dried fruit, all of the good stuff. Um, and the black plastic shaving was actually the mice trying to escape from the barrel. Uh, so they were scratching at the, the lid of the barrel, which caused the black plastic shaving uh, to appear. So yeah, two mice in my barrel all night feasting. Uh, luckily, we had some canned goods that lasted us for the rest of the trip. Um, and yeah, so that was a big lesson learned. Never leave your barrel opened if you're not right beside it. And there are mice at backcountry site number nine at Keji. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those mice just had the best night of their lives. Partying, man. The nightclub in there. Yeah. <laughs> just high <laughs> off all the sugar. Uh, it's kind of like when I open my, uh, I did that last year. I have like a bin in the shop um, that has like all my snacks and camping food and stuff and for trips. And it's like, I was like, oh, it's sealed pretty well. It's in this like Tupper made container up on a shelf. And come spring when we're opening to go on a bunch of paddling trips, I open it up and the squirrel had eaten right through the side of the box and devoured it was pretty funny. There was like a, a, a mix like nuts and, and raisins and stuff. Ate all the nuts and shells. Left all the raisins. So it was an empty bag full of raisins. Did not eat those. I, I'm not scared of mice, but I despise them. <laughs> so if that, I, I mean, like not a whole lot shakes me. But if that happened to me, I would be the most routed human being. So anyway, Laura... Thanks for sending in your your story, and uh, yeah, we're we're gonna keep our barrels closed from now on. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll be a new T-shirt that we put out. Yeah, keep your <laughs> barrels closed. <Yeah. laughs> All right, let's jump into the pod. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Here we go. What's up, man? We're back. I'm hurting today. <laughs> and super, you don't even drink. I know. I'm super <laughs> tired. I'm not going to lie. I'm too. I ate shit food. So we're, we're in Halifax right now. Um, and we went out to Gus's pub. I bailed early on the guys. I, did, uh, I didn't do a, a, a Irish goodbye, though. I actually said goodbye this that's time. That's right. Yeah. So uh, that's, uh-huh. that's maybe me growing up. Yeah. Something like that. But you ended up at the Toothy Moose. We went to the Toothy Moose afterwards and had a little dance. Yeah. Yeah, our buddy Chris O'Neill was spinning there last night. So, and we ended up in some weird, uh, I don't know, some weird set of circumstances where they just let us in. So, it was good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For anybody who's watching the vlog, uh, we came up to Halifax with um, TikTok star Dougie Snakes. (laughs) So, it's been a laugh most of the time <laughs> uh who are we sitting here with lee sitting here with noah booth what's going on noah what's going on guys how you doing doing great well doing thanks great. for jumping in on this it's been uh i think i sort of messaged you last year around this time about doing one or maybe it was in the spring i think it was in the spring because it was white water and you're like yeah it's got to be midweek weekends i'm on i'm on a river yeah it's true but this has been coming a long time coming we've been chatting about this for a while <laughs> yeah on top of other things on top of hitting the river, maybe. We'll see. But I don't know. Yeah, so uh, you're. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself? Just tell you who you are, and we'll just jump into this podcast. Yeah, so my name is Noah Booth. Uh, my professional trade is I'm a geologist here in Nova Scotia. But my true passion and what really guides my lifestyle is my interest in adventure, and more so documenting adventure through YouTube videos. I have a YouTube channel called Northern Scavenger, mm-hmm. which is uh, a collection of backcountry trips and adventures that I've been doing throughout the years. And every year we try to progress and make them a little more, um, a, a little more adventurous and a little more uh, better editing and higher quality videos. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a long learning curve there, or a, what's the word I'm looking for? Steep learning curve. That's the one, video-wise. Yeah. I think there's a lot of our listeners are familiar with your YouTube channel. I would say, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Starting in... We, my, me and my buddy Alex started this in 2014. And our videos started with, you know, those old GoPros where there's no audio. And, and like we just nines, filmed... The 960s or 1080s? Like the, ver- like the first generation ones? Like the GoPro 2. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was using the other day. Yeah, so our videos were five-minute videos with a tragically hip song over it. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> and over the years, they progressed into every year. Uh, it's, it's fun learning. I don't have any background in videography. It's all been sort of just learning through YouTube videos and seeing what works, what doesn't work, uh, what you want to improve on, and just doing the research and, and putting in the time. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing. It's like uh, when I was back doing music uh, years ago... <laughs> There was that was on the sorry for that sniffle, but um, what you're laughing at me now? No. Anyways, so the the on the music side of things, um, like when YouTube came out and all these tutorials, like there was so many people spending time watching, and I was uh, I had this uh, mentor on one part of uh, I joined this music program just to kind of streamline production. I was uh, producing dance music, and he's like, "Listen, man, just do it. Don't don't watch these videos. Just just go out and do all this shit." Same deal with video, right? You just do it and you learn it and then you use YouTube to just, you know, answer questions that you have about, you know, how to do uh, a certain edit, how to, how to merge this together, how to color that clip, that sort of stuff. And then you just learn by doing. Same deal with anything outdoor and, and adventure, right? It's all about doing and troubleshooting. And I think that's the best method of doing it the way you did it. It's a longer road, much longer road. It's, it's a long road, but we had a lot of questions about like, what's the best camera to use? What's the best microphone? Really, man, it, it, just whatever you can afford. When when we started, we had like, I, we, we still don't make pretty much any money on on Northern Scavenger, yeah. so I don't have have the uh, the resources to invest in in high quality gear. But at the end of the day, it's all about the story and the adventure, and we try to record that and document it as best we could. Yeah. But again, you're out there doing a lot of run and gun. You can't yeah. bring the uh, gimbal. And, and other large yeah. devices with yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, we. I, I just started filming this this vlog. That I've been wanting to do one for a, for a long time, and and the whole idea behind doing it was kind of inspired by what you guys were doing and all the pulling from all these different videos. But um, over the years, I've been investing, like buying you know a six thousand dollar you know camera and lens and filters and all this shit that it weighs. Like if you're hiking with this thing, my camera, my lens weighs like five pounds, right? It's like all glass and and but it's a big rig, and you got to lug that up mountains. And so when I did the vlog, I go, I'm just stripping it back, man. I'm just doing it run and gun the easiest way. It's all about what is actually in the video, the content, the story. It's not about what fucking lens I'm using or what camera I'm using. I'm using the best gear. I have an iPhone. I'm, I'm, this is a, I think it's a 10. Most of the video shot on this. Anything on the river, next to the river, hiking, running, that sort of stuff, I shoot like this. With the, that's it. Yeah. And then I have a GoPro 2. Is what I was, but the battery died. It's all winter, right? So as soon as I take it out of the bag, the battery <laughs> dies. But that's that's majority of it. And then I have my big camera for when we're doing like static stuff. And but but yeah, it's all about um all about the story within within the the, the footage. And these things, I was watching a video. Um, buddy had what's a new GoPro or um um iPhone that's out thirteen, thirteen, thirteen Pro Max. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this videographer guy bought. He got rid of his his big handheld camera. Because that's waterproof. You can get a 120 gigabyte hard drive on that. He bought one for his camera, one for his personal phone, one only for a camera. And that's what he films most of his stuff on. And I put this in my, I was doing a bunch of whitewater stuff down with, um, with Matt at Candlebox, doing some training down there. Uh, and I had this in the PFD. I was upside down in the water, pull it out, start filming, whatever. It's like, rather than lugging like, you know, camera gear and, and Pelican cases and lenses and, that sort of stuff. So, but uh, it's a learning curve, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy the quality of these iPhones. Now it's it's incredible. So, what kind of rig are you using right now? So, actually, I just invested in a whole new kit. Uh, so, I've been running with a an Canon eighty D DSLR since two thousand and fifteen, and it actually just came last week. I, I upgraded the mirrorless, a, a Sony Alpha A uh, three. And this is something I've been humming and hawing about for a while because it's the transition. It's, it's not cheap to do. And I've been looking at all these YouTube videos and talking to people, mirrorless versus DSLR. And at the end of the day, I, I feel like we're going to a mirrorless world. And the quality is a bit better. And now I'm at, I'm at a point where these small differences, the size is the same. It's, it's just that investment. Um, and I went with it. So now, so now uh, I haven't actually even filmed with it yet. But it's a Sony Alpha. So you're switching all over. You're switching gears. So that means new batteries, new lenses. Well, you can get an adapter for your, your Canon lenses to go on. 
But did did that the Canon camera did it come with a built-in lens or is it like removable lenses? No, removable. So okay, yeah. so I did get a, a full new kit. So now I have two kits, and it also it gives me a little bit of uh, wiggle room if I w- were to drop one in the river. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah, now you can do all the risky stuff. We both shoot on an A seven three. A seven S three is what I got. Yeah, I'm at A seven three. Yeah, yeah. So I love that, it. Sony, when you when you start looking at it, it start at one point you kind of have to pick video or photo as like the the kind of like strength of the camera is what i found and then um so i i went with the a7s3 which because i wanted 4k at 120 frames so i bought that last year off of uh a guy in toronto called chris howe who runs a big youtube channel he was down doing some photography for tourism and ran into him and i said well i'm interested in buying one and he goes well i got like two that i don't use do you want one it's used i was like okay so i bought it for I don't know, a thousand bucks of what off retail. Um, but then again, it's big and it, it weighs. Yeah. But that's, I mean, it is what it is. So I've taken that on uh, up and down mountains over seawall, all that stuff. But then you're lugging like, I mean, 20 pounds of film gear. I have a really great website for lenses for you. Okay. You're going to tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to plug them on here because we're not going to pay for that. But <laughs> uh, it's keh.com. It's like a U.S. website, so you have to pay the tariff when it comes over the border. But they've got all kinds of graded lenses on there. They're all used, but they're all professionally graded. And I mean, I've got a bunch of I got a bunch of lenses for they they all came in basically mint condition. And uh, yeah, for like a third of the price of buying a brand new. I wish we had this conversation a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys, when did you guys start your YouTube channel? So I started it in Ontario with my buddy Alex. And you're two, from Ontario. I'm right? from Ontario yep. originally, yeah. Moved out here in 2016. We started Northern Scavenger in Ontario 2015. And, and really, it, it it sort of happened organically. We were both interested in filming. We both loved the backcountry. And there's just a natural progression of starting filming these trips. And then Northern Scavenger was just a, a library for us to to keep all these, these videos documented. Mm-hmm. And originally the idea was to, to help promote the Ontario canoe culture. Yeah. And when I moved out here, I was sort of bummed about that because I didn't know much about Nova Scotia canoeing because if you Google it, the only thing that comes up really is Kedgy. Yeah. Which is a great place, but it's, it's, it's small compared to what I was used to in Ontario. But what I was Googling and then what I was looking at a map were totally different because as you guys know, Nova Scotia is full of these wilderness areas that have lakes and rivers. Yeah. I don't have much information on. So that sort of started my, my Nova Scotia backcountry journey. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of it. That's, that's what I'm doing now. I'm sticking just to Cape Breton. Like, and I'm only in the Highlands, and I've been doing it for like two years, just trying to figure out all the different routes, specifically paddling. And then I talked to you about a place over on the other side of the island. And then I talked to a friend of mine, Gordo, I was out skiing with the other day, and he's telling me about another river. I didn't even know about this river. I didn't even know the name of it. And so that's pinned on the map. So that's on my list for the spring. Nothing crazy, not like Whitewater, but it's just a, a, a pretty cool route and meandering river. And, I, you know, you look at the map, you're like, how the hell did I never find this? Like, you're zooming in. I'm like, dude, this would be like a two or three day trip. It's great. But, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. There's not much information here. And, and I don't really know the culture as far as, um, as far as like the canoe culture. And, and I'm new to that, that scene because there wasn't much um, in Cape Breton when I grew up. It was, I spent my, my culture was backcountry hiking. That's, I, I grew up in the woods doing that stuff. So I knew of that side of things. But as far as like canoeing, yeah, I, I, I don't know where to start here in Nova Scotia. Well, <laughs> yeah, we were chatting offline earlier about uh, potentially hooking up for a, a Cape Breton trip this, uh, this spring. Yep. I've not paddled any water in cape breton and i'd really? love to yeah oh shit i thought you guys did the southwest or maybe it was somebody else they sent that information to oh yeah it was denis and aj and those guys yeah they did it um okay yeah uh so yeah yeah i'm i'm down um there's there's a list of ones that i want to get into see the issue in cape breton it, so the mainland from my understanding excuse me is that a lot of the the routes are a little bit more accessible by roadways or you know dirt roads or whatever right or paths whereas uh, the majority of the stuff in Cape Breton like specifically in the highlands which is where my focus area is at right now trying to map all the rivers and that come off the highlands and uh because there's not any information on them uh some of the topo maps have 
you know, they'll have like you're listening for rapids or waterfalls and stuff. And those are not that accurate because I've been into places where it says it on the topple map and that the river's changed. So it's all different. So uh, and there's not many people that I've talked to that have done any of this stuff. Um, and like the Marguerite, when I first started looking at doing the entire river uh, for trips, um, the I think it was like 1985 is when they they uh, put in the sanctuary up there. And so you couldn't fish up there. So you're talking you know, what's that, 30 years ago, close to 30 years ago, the people have not been able to go fish up there. So that's all, nobody goes up there anymore. So all those old guys that used to guide up there and fish up there are pretty much all dead, like, or, or getting up there. So all that information about all those pools, um, like there was a cabin up at Rocky Brook um, that, that uh, DNR had torn down or burnt, but it was up there for all the guides and stuff. So it was right at the, at the, the, when you look at Rocky Brook feeds into the Marguerite, the Northeastern flat, just, just, uh, between there and the river, there was a log cabin in there that all the guides used to use as like a home base. So you used to hike over the mountain down, <clears throat> camp there with all your clients or whatever, and then hike from there up and down the river to go all these big pools and go fish pretty interesting but none of that information was ever logged it's like it's all verbal and it's not super accessible up there either like no and and then the issue like, is what, if you can get in there with a canoe good luck getting into the fucking river yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then the, the the other issue is like the water levels optimal water levels is when there's snow back there and the if you want real fun like the there's a four-week window historically so if you look at any of the water data say on the shetty camp river like April, May-ish, there's like a four-week window every year where the water's, like all the snow's melting, so the rivers are up, like almost a meter higher than what their their average is. And, um, but at that point, there's either not enough snow to get back on snowmobiles or um, there's too much snow to get back there in trucks. So it's kind of hard to access all these places in the headwaters. So to give you context, last year we hiked 26 kilometers with pack rafts and dry suits on to get into to shady camp so and then we left my truck in a snow drift have you been eyeing up everything anything in cape breton uh i've started to we were chatting uh last week about that I, again you guys are saying it's such a small window mm-hmm. and and uh yeah just about lining up those conditions with with the right crew uh, i'm i'm definitely keen this spring to get out there so i was telling him and i've been telling people i may even mention on this podcast my idea is to just charter a helicopter. And I was telling you that on the phone, probably. It's it's the easiest. It's just like you could literally be anywhere in the Highlands within, like, say, at my place or, or the Mercury Airport or Bedeck or whatever. Um, you can get up anywhere within 20 minutes. Dropped off, you're there. That's the way to do it. So that's that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, as far as, like, Nova Scotia and... and, and, and um, and paddling routes and all that sort of stuff, there's tons. I mean, the only other uh, literature that I found was on the Canoe Kayak Nova Scotia, where it's like the, it's kind of like a scanned copy of like this booklet you probably looked at. It had different routes, like Marguerite, Southwest Marguerite Rivers on it. I think there's another one in Cape Breton on it. Um, and then a couple other ones. But a lot of that information that I was reading through was inaccurate and stuff like that too. But there hasn't been any documentation on anything since then. Yeah, and, and there are these small uh, pamphlets and, and, and blog posts on all these different rivers, but it'd be great to have one big file that compiles all this information that's available. And, and I feel like there are a lot, since moving here in 2016, there has been a lot of headway with bringing all these routes together and making more maps. So I think we're on the right path, and I feel like a lot more people are getting into it, or at least being more social about it too. So I, I do feel like the community is growing and, and uh, more routes will, will appear. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I like. I, there's a Whitewater Nova Scotia website um, that uh, when we're doing the training, it's a Whitewater training. Matt was it's part of his like teaching curriculum, showing you the website and you can register to it. But they have it. If you go to their website, Whitewater Nova Scotia, not all rivers. It's primarily all the whitewater paddling, can, uh, kayaking rivers down the valley or down the valley, down the south shore. Um, but uh, but they have like a graph that takes in data from the government website and stuff. It tells you when the optimal levels are for like Roseway and Medway and all that sort of stuff, which is pretty neat. And then they have like roots and put-ins and stuff like that on there. But um, I mean, that's kind of where I'm getting at with with like the rivers at home, just trying to map them out a little bit and then have a little bit more of information like distance, time-wise, ideal campsites, where you should camp, because a lot of it is all private land. So it's like, where do you post up? It's good the that they started that database. 
the whitewater? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of a, uh, I could be wrong, but I think it's like a recently, like a new thing that had just kind of happened in the last like five or so years. But yeah, it's a pretty good resource. Yeah, I do know they also have a Facebook page, Nova Scotia Whitewater. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually where I met Dave Green. It's no through this forum because I moved out here. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know anyone and I wanted to get out and paddle, but I didn't know the rivers. I didn't know the routes. And Dave reached out in that group saying, Hey, I want to paddle this river. Is anyone interested? And the rest is history. And we've cool. been buddies ever since. Well, there you go. You guys have been on a few trips together. Uh, we've been on quite a few. Yeah. yeah. Including one pretty big one up in Labrador a couple of years ago. Tell us about that. So this would be my first. So 2019, Leading up to this, I've, I've paddled my entire life, but they range from weekend trips to two-week trips, and I've always been interested in doing a, a lengthy wilderness canoe trip up up in the north somewhere. Yeah. So I met Dave in 2018, and if you know Dave, he, he's 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 a, he's a vet in this. He's done a lot of these types of trips, and he was coming off 50 plus days up in the Northwest Territories. So we're we were chatting about that and he was still keen and I was keen. So I pitched this idea of, of doing a month long trip up in Labrador, crossing it West to East. And, and the route was a little fucked. Like it doesn't necessarily follow a river. It follows a river and you have to go over a height of land and up another river. Um, together, Dave and I came up with this, this odd route, but the concept was there was this, this, this crater lake halfway through called Mistaston Lake. Mm-hmm. which we were really super keen on on checking out because it looked really cool on the map, but we couldn't find any information. And there's this river that, that flowed out called the Mistaston River, which we could only find one documented descent in 1985, I believe, in 1982, in the 1980s. So there was that, that curiosity about doing this, this grand Labrador trip uh, and, and exploring this, this area. And it was... A 35-day trip, it was quite the adventure. There was a lot of, was, at times it was, it was touch and go there with, with a couple injuries and some sickness, but it was an incredible trip. And it really sparked and, and, and started this, this love for these, these long expedition-style trips. How, uh, like you mentioned, there was only one descent on that river. What's, how do you research finding any of that information? Like what's your process in finding any of that information? So... The guy who did the, the the route was still alive, so we were able to get a hold of him through email, and he gave us some information. There was also an old PDF of a, an old canoe article that was online. So is this just like jumping on Google and just Googling it, trying to find stuff, and then somebody may have mentioned it on some blog and then emailing him and that sort of stuff? Yeah, pretty much. So for all canoe trips, uh, my go-to to start, is it's, called, it's a website called MyCCR. And this is a, a database across all of Canada where, where people like us would, would, would upload routes that we've done. Mm-hmm. And there's also a forum there. And anyone, like any, anyone who's, who's online who, who, who is passionate about canoeing knows about uh, this site because they've probably added to it or, or they've looked at it. Uh, uh, and it's a great place to start. If you don't know anything about a river, uh, you can go there and, and just reach out and, and someone will hopefully... Uh, give you something or if not it just it, it, it creates a little more curiosity and you do a little more digging so is it kind of like a message board set up or is it like you just like a google where you just search for stuff it, it so it's it's a website where you can search for stuff uh there's an interactive map of canada and you can click on a province and then drill down into a, a region uh, okay and then a list of routes will come up and you can click on a route and it, and it, and it gives a, a a report that someone put in uh so you would have like uh you you're, you would have your own account or, or like a login for that website, and then you'd submit it. You have a user profile, and you can. If you were to submit, yeah, but 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 if you want to look up a route, you can just like look, look ah, at it like okay, any okay. other website. But there's also a forum too. You can reach out and say, "Hey, uh, I'm looking for information on on this specific river." Uh, a route that we did in 2021, the Aguanish River. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find any information on it. Reached out to this group, and someone sent me. Uh, I think it was a Flickr, a Flickr album of someone who did it uh, in 2000, 2009. So I was able to get a hold of him. Yeah, it's a great starting off point for, for planning these, these northern trips where you can't really find much information. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to have to check that out and see if there's anything on uh, in Cape Breton. 
It's got to be. If not, you're going to have to start populating that. <laughs> yeah, well, like, like last year when we did the Shetty Camp, I uh, uh, I was in Newfoundland, and then I literally got off the... I slept on the floor of the ferry, woke up, got into Sydney at 7, I drove straight to Marguerite, and we jumped in the truck and went up the mountain. And then I was trying to charge my Garmin um, on the way up so that I could pinpoint all the all the waterfalls and stuff, and... And it didn't charge. I, there's like a button in my my forerunner on the left side that you have to press it to it to turn on the power switch for the for the charging spot. But anyways, long story short, I didn't have it. So and we didn't film it. I this just wanted to experience it. Website is great. Oh, are you on it right now? Yeah, your lower river inhabitants is on here. Oh, that's the one that I was telling you the the meandering one. Oh yeah, like near River Denny, um, Lamy Brook to lower river inhabitants. Is there anything in the Highlands? I mean. Have a, have a piece. There's like a oh, there's a pretty big list. Interesting. I'll have to have a look. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Indian Brooks here. Is but is it the lower bit? Does it show a map? Uh, I, I'm just not clicking on anything. I'm just going through a list. But so, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. This cool. is. I'll be Super on this. Cool. I'll be on this right afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what goes on when you're planning any of these big trips? Right. You've been on a few so far. Uh, that one with Dave was your first big, big one, right? My first month-long trip, yeah. yeah. And uh, how many of them have you done since? So that was 2019 and did one in uh, 2021 and then 2022. So pretty much every year nice. since. And how do, you, uh, how do you go about preparing for it? Like- so, yeah. So I start with a, a region or an area that I'm in, interested in. Yep. And then I start looking at, at just at a map, uh, what rivers make sense, like what, what are features I want to check out. Uh, I, I start with a map, and then I drill down on an interactive map. It's called Cal Topo. Mm-hmm. You yeah. guys know this one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, that's what it, I use. Yeah, it, it's I've used that on all my trips, even weekend trips around Nova Scotia. Yeah, it, it's great. And from there, I I I, um, I, I create a route on, on the map, and then on that that website, it'll show you the elevation change, the distance. And then you work backwards. You're like, okay, it's this distance. How long is that going to take me? What are the variables? Like, are there any big portages? Are there any waterfalls? And then you start, or then I start looking at my CCR and, and other online resources to see like what's what's available on this. Like, what, what what can I what can I learn right off the bat? And uh, yeah, and the rest is then it's, it's finding a, a group that that's down to do it and take the time off work and make it happen. And that might be one of the more crucial parts, right? Is finding a team, like because it's not like every person can do it. I and mean, some people might think they want to do it, and then you get there, and it's. Have you ever had that that happen? Has somebody bailed mid trip? I've not, lucky enough. There you but go. But I've heard, I've heard of horror stories where that that can happen. Yeah, I was reading. Uh, what's the uh, is it Adam Schultz? Is it the Canadian yeah. writer? There was a book that he, I don't know which one, I just downloaded a bunch of his e-books the other day. Listen probably to Alone Against the North. Is the one where buddy, his buddy was like, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the one. I was like, man, no, yeah, you took your like high school buddy. Like, come on. I mean, I, my high school buddies came on Shady Camp with me and, and uh, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, interesting. But yeah, that'd be your most crucial part, getting a team together. How do you go about finding guys for the team? More like referrals? Yeah. So, so again, most of the things I do is just based on what other people have done in the past. Uh, w- one person I get a lot of advice from is Dave Green, of course. And then there, there's a, uh, a lady, Eva, who did that trip with Dave uh, in the Northwest Territories in 2018. Yep. And I swear, I think she does a trip every year, a four to six week trip up in the north. And so she is, she is the OG of Northern Canoe Trips. And I heard that her her um, screening process for finding people to go with a trip, it's almost like submitting for a job application. They need to have so much experience. They need to have uh, um, like whitewater experience. I think they need to have at least one 30-day trip in the north. And the list goes on and on. And it really it really screens out a lot of people. Yeah. Because I think she's, she's had situations but in the past where it hasn't worked out because of the partner. And, and that's... Um, she's probably just been like lessons learned, like, like what works and what doesn't work. So knowing she puts that much effort in it, it's, it's, I would say I definitely have been really lucky with, with my group so far because sometimes (laughs) most times it's just my buddies that I go on trips with. Yeah. But they've all been, um, 
they're all animals out there and, and they, we all, we have always got the job done. Uh, but yeah, I, I would hate to be in a situation where someone just quits. Yeah. That's, and then the added bonus of having your buddies is, is, you know, you can push them and it's like having somebody that's a very, like a, an unknown that was applied for it, that just joined that you never did anything with before and bringing them on a, on a big trip. You wouldn't really know how far to push them like canary, right? If he goes silent, there's something wrong. <laughs> so it's like the canary in the coal mine basically right so when he's like you know uh, silent not saying anything and not singing i'm like okay well he's hurting so because <laughs> last year on the winter trip there was like a point i think the last night uh oh yeah that was like that would that, that there was some tensions that night <laughs> oh i was like just majorly majorly dehydrated and i had fallen in a brook trying to get water I was, just, <laughs> I was just so frustrated and ella because i was like man i'm just so angry right now he's like yeah because you're fucking dehydrated like you're bra- you're you have brain damage right now <laughs> like drink some water dude chill out like but it's like it's just one of those things is like i have been that i have been that guy where i was like all right I can do this. And then I'm like into it and I'm like, fuck, I don't think I can do this, you know, but yeah. thankfully we have, we are all pretty good buddies. And again, like, um, in that situation, you or Alec can see that I am psychologically struggling with the amount of pain I'm in or the, the distance we've gone today or how difficult this is. You're like, you can fucking do this. You know, you guys can push me or we can push one of the crew that we go with yeah. because we're friends, right? So, so what got you out of that slump then? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's just accepting that you don't have a choice than to just do it, right? Nobody is going to come and pick me up in the middle of the highlands. Nobody. There's nobody to call. You know, so it's not, it's not like I fucking, it's not like I went out to a restaurant and I ate a bad meal and I could just go home and make food for myself. It's like, you know, it's like nobody's going to fucking come and pick me up. So I, I better just suck it up and just get it done. Right. Yeah. You have no choice, I guess. In that situation. Oh, I think about, I often think about, um, when we did the cross the highlands expedition last year. And the first night we were out, now a few of the folks we went with uh, had never either never been winter camping. Um, I think one person had never uh, done back, been back country, never camped back country. And like we're going out in fucking February, right? And the first night we were out, we had all of the worst weather that Cape Breton ever has had. We had it all in one night. We had 120, 130 kilometer an hour gusts. We had sleet, freezing rain, rain, and then a flash freeze. And so everything we, so like people's tents were blowing away with them in it. And then the flip side of that coin is now everything is frozen bricks of ice. And when we went to tip over Lake, there were a few folks on the trip who were like almost hyperventilating. They're like, we can't fucking do this. And, you know, and I always think back to what Alex says is like, listen, the worst thing you could be, th- you could go through in- on this trip, you've already been through it. We're already on the other side of the worst thing, basically the worst thing that could happen. Like, and you're fine, you know? So I think just like reassessing your values and recognizing that most of that stuff's just mental, you know? Yeah. The, the, the brief too, uh, is like you have the first day and if you want to pull out, it's the first day. Other than that, we're not pulling out, we're going and we don't call it that SOS feature that doesn't get punched unless somebody has a broken foot. It's something broken that it needs <laughs> yeah. to get medevaced. We're we're getting out of here. We're doing the whole sixty k. Like that's that's the thing. You have the first day, and if if by the end of the first morning you don't pull out, well then you're in for the whole long haul. 
And that one we ended up having, to, we almost tacked on an extra day um, just because of the situation and stuff and, uh, and the distance. And we had a detour. and uh, It just didn't make sense to tack on an extra day because we were so close yeah. to the fucking highway by the end. We got pushed so far north because the water was so high to cross all of these tributaries. We got pushed so far north that we were like 5K from the highway. You know, so why hike 15k back down and then another 15 out if we're like five <laughs> kilometers from the fucking highway, right? But yeah, so but yeah, but like that that you're talking about screening for for all these trips and stuff like that, like uh, Eva, woman Eva does, is it Eva? Eva, Eva. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like what it's over the last couple of years been uh, the process of what I put in for any of our trips. Just it's probably not anything close to what she's doing because obviously we take people on the trip that has no have no previous experience um but uh but like there is a screening process it's like an application to go on the trip like anything that's a multi-day seawall paddling trips um i think being out for five days is not (laughs) not nearly the uh as risky as taking somebody out for 30 days yeah it's true and and going back to that point if people including me romanticize about the idea of going into the wilderness and, 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 and for weeks on end and, and for sure. it's romantic. And, and, and sometimes you're out there and it's like, fuck, this isn't romantic at all. I'm getting <laughs> destroyed by bugs. <laughs> I'm soaking wet. Uh, we're bush. We've been portaging for days, but that's why you, you really gotta, you gotta change your perception. And, and, and for me now that's part of the adventure and that's what I love. I, I, I love getting into it. Uh, but if, if you don't make that 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 switch, like like what happened with you, people will just be like, "Fuck, this is I want out." So, yeah. how do you speaking on that? How do you prepare, or do you prepare mentally for going into like a long trip? I would say a long trip is just a continuation of small trips. Like it's it's the same way you you pack the exact same way as you would for for a four day trip as you would a thirty day trip with just more food. It's just about each day making smart moves. Don't 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 get yourself into too much danger where where you could where you could hurt yourself and sprain an ankle, and just take it day by day. If if on if at ten kilometers you're already thinking about the 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 five hundredth kilometer, you're going to get into yourself into a mental struggle because it it just takes it's patience and consistency and and just taking it one day at a time when you're out there. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, what I advise people on approaching anything, any problem is breaking it down into small chunks type deal. And then it doesn't seem as daunting, like your 30 days. That's how I used to break down like two months offshore. I'd be like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this two days or this week. And then eventually you get into the workflow. But you, if you start thinking about like, oh, fuck, I have like two months left on this piece of shit boat bouncing around the ocean or like bouncing around a river or fucking portage and or you're getting eaten by bugs with a fucking portage and you're like we got 10 more kilometers to go i often think about um alfred bigelow Payne when he was writing the tent dwellers as like do you know the, the book I've, i know of it i've not read it yet though. okay so i was like you probably want to strangle the guy just like i did is there's a, so there's like a rich guy and he meets Payne, he says, hey, listen, I'm moving up to Nova Scotia. Why don't you come up and we'll go on a fishing trip? And he says, yeah, I think that'd be great. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go up a couple months ahead of time and uh, get things situated. And I'll send, I'll send you some lists and you can buy some stuff and ship it up to me, basically. And so, like, over the period of a few months, over the winter... He's getting these letters and he buys his stuff and he sends it up and whatever. By the time he gets there, he's, he's, he's heads up to Keji and he, he finds a cabin and he gets in the cabin with the guy and it's like floor to ceiling outdoors gear. Like, what the fuck? Like, where are we going? They pack up the route, they pack up their gear and they go out for six weeks. It's like, Hey man, why don't you come on a fishing trip with me? Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, see you six. See you six weeks from now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nineteen twenty or nineteen thirty. Sounds or like something. something I would do. But yeah, it's just like what was going through his head. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, oh, go for it. Yeah. So yeah, like it, uh, we t- we take it day by day. You, you want to take it day by day, but then also 
on these trips or, or anything you're doing, there are milestones. Um, it, it's, it's never always the same. Uh, I like doing trips where there's diversity. There's, there's, you're going down a river, then you're, then you're doing a big lake system or going up a river. And, and it is interesting the comfort you get just knowing you're close to the end of that specific section. And that's what I like working towards because it, it, it's for the, for, the, for the psychological part of it, when, once you, if you're really struggling, and once you get to the end of a specific spot, like let's say you're getting to the end, of, like just to camp at the end of the day, how, how how comfortable you feel just knowing you just you got through the day, you're at camp, and that's done, and and yeah, the, the day by day, the milestone by milestone, you you pick apart a route, and, and yeah, that's how we do it. So, what's a key piece of kit that you take with you for the evenings? Like, what's your? So, I'll give you a, a, a an example. At the end of the day, I have hot chocolate and a weed gummy. That's my tradition, anything backcountry. So do you have a tradition like that? Like, you know, when you're cooking dinner at the end of the day, is it like, do you write in a journal? Do you have a coffee? Do you have a shot of whiskey? Definitely the do whiskey. You sc- scream into the abyss? <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, one of my luxury items is I, I love fishing and I've recently gotten to fly fishing. Yeah. And one of the coolest things is when you do these trips, you, you are in the middle of fucking nowhere. And the fishing is these, some of these fish have never seen a lure. Yeah. And what really got me into canoeing right off the bat was using it as a way to get to better fishing spots. So bringing a rod and, and being able to cast a camp at the end of the night is, is like one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. That's been something that I've been doing this year. I used to, uh, the way I look at, so it's kind of like the way the, this, this whole idea about the river systems and, and Cape Breton Highlands and stuff, like looking at what people aren't doing, right? So I'm like, everybody just does the bottom half of the river, fishes this section, or they don't ever hike into these areas or paddle these sections. I'm like, why? What's the issue? Like, is it that it's not, is it too crazy? Is it too low? Is it what? But that's kind of my approach. So when it came to fishing, um, like I was up in the highland, I went up a bunch this fall. And I take the pack raft with me at the end of it because most people, when they go up the highlands fishing trout, you go to the lake, you go Shady Camp Flowage, McMillan, all these different areas, right? But there's all these tributaries that branch all these lakes together with all these pools. And I would just go in there and nobody ever hikes in there because it's all alters. But if you go in by little pack raft and you skim over all this stuff, I'd just go in there all day. And it'd be like the fly, the fly would even touch the water and it'd be like a two pound trout just jumping out to bite it. It's crazy. I shouldn't say that too loud on here because now people are going to go to my spots. <laughs> but like you go to the lake, you go to Shady Camp Lake, and there might be, you see all these trucks leave and they're like, there's nothing there. And you go cast a fly because everybody goes there with their boats, launches their boats. Every, like everybody goes into those locations. But all these spots that you got to work to get into, nobody goes. It's like prime for the picking. That's my idea with tr- trips, with routes, with all kinds of shit. So, Do you find fishing at the end of the day very therapeutic? Definitely, especially after a tough day, just, just especially fly fishing. There's such an art to it, and again, I'm really new. I've only been doing it for about three years, but it, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's a lot of fun, and, and and just being out there, and it, it really connects you to the moment, to the land, to to the experience when when you're when you're interacting with what's around you. Yeah, that's been. I I bought this rod this year from. Uh, uh, he's the superintendent of the the parks in Cape Breton, um, Blair Party. Shouts out to Blair Party. The rod was awesome. He makes these custom bamboo rods, so he makes like two or three a year. Um, and I bought one off him. Uh, it's it's meant for it's the one that he normally fishes on. The style it's like a seven foot um, four weight bamboo rod, and it's meant for like he fishes the Middle River every day. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I used it for fishing trout this year. And you want to talk about like. A little six-inch trope gets onto that thing and it bends right over, and it feels like it's a salmon. <laughs> like it's just, it's crazy, but it's been fun trying to get to. to I, I was the same way. I, I I fly fish when I was a kid, but I only got back into it in the last couple of years. Just hanging around all the guys that fly fish and all you know, starting the campground and all the guys from the campground that were down fishing and you know talking and then going out with them and hanging out in the river and then slowly getting back into it. It's been interesting. Um, relearning all that sort of stuff too and uh i used to you know i'll go down the river in the morning 
uh, down to Dollar Pool right across the road from my house. Um, try to get there before at first light, before everything goes. And I don't do it every day, but, uh, you know, a couple times a week. And it's just like silence. No phone, no notifications, nothing. And people start showing up and everybody's having coffee and socializing. And then you're just kind of doing a couple passes of the river and walk back home. I really admire that. Um you guys enjoy fishing. <laughs> I, I not that I don't enjoy it, but uh, yeah, I just never. I've never been. In, I've never fished, right? So that's the end of your day. Um, when you're doing these trips, um, and when same deal, when I'm doing any multi-day backcountry stuff, right? So there becomes like a, a certain clarity you get from being detached from everything and just working and being in that moment, trying to get through that day. Um, does it take you any amount of time after the trip to kind of like unwind and decompress? Like, th- does it take you like, like to say it takes me a couple days to kind of like get back to normal, wrap my head around what's happening um, and kind of like process everything that happened during that trip. Totally. Yeah. So especially <laughs> these long trips, it, it takes months to plan sometimes over years to plan. Yeah. And it, when you're on these trips, there's this linear objective, you know, you're trying to get to the end when you're planning a trip, it's all about getting there and it's very linear and it's very, the goal is very clear. And when you're in it, the one thing we talk to anyone who does, does long trips, there's this flow state you get into after about a week mm-hmm. and you're just in it, you're just present. And like, this is, this is your life in, in that moment. When you're done the trip, the, the the goal is done and there's a, there's a bit of a lull and it, it, it is, it, it takes me about a month to almost come, come back after such a high of that first month. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's usually a rough month right after these big trips. Like a, uh, like a little bit of a depression, a little bit of a depression. Yeah. Do you have like a kind of like a plan? Like have you put things in place to try to pull you out of that? Um, like, fitness routine or whatever just to kind of get you back to normal totally uh routine is big and just uh um yeah yeah getting back into the routine that i had before uh one thing i I do pretty much every day is i go to the gym and that makes me feel good just exercising moving the body moving the mind and and, uh it's just one of those things like there's ups and downs in life and these trips are big up and then there's a bit of a low right after but yeah yeah it's just, it's, yeah, that's that's it takes. Well, I mean, I don't do month long trips, but like five, six days. Um, I find the clarity. I, I always used to say it's just like in that moment, it's just putting one foot in front of the other. That's all you got to worry about. You're not worried about those 10 emails you got in your inbox that you've been avoiding doing. Don't going to stack firewood. Well, sometimes you get to stack firewood, but uh, you know, that sort of stuff. It's very simplistic. It's just one foot in front of the other. Don't die. That's it. Totally. And then when you come back, it's like all those, the phone turns on, the notification. I almost don't turn my phone on. For, well, in the summertime, I don't have my phone on me anyways, but um, I usually just don't even turn it on, don't look at anything. Just try to ride that out a little bit. But yeah, fitness routine, that sort of stuff is is like going on a good run. That's, keep your Don't jump right into partying and having drinks with friends because that makes it worse. I mean, it might make it better. I don't know. It's usually pretty nice right after. <laughs> The post post trip piss up is like my favorite because it's like this buzz that you get. It's completely different than just having like if we were having a beer right now, it wouldn't be that that vibe. But it's like this post trip buzz is unlike nothing. Like I often think about our post trip like high we were all on after the winter seawall when we went to um what was the what's the pub. Oh, Remember yeah. We went, we went to, to get Dorman. something to eat. Dorman, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. We were all just so silly <laughs> at dinner. Like, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. I would have loved to be in a fly on the wall for that. The stink. Yeah. The stink. <laughs> yeah, oh, but... man. If you had a, if you had a, they could measure like, like almost like a, uh, like a thermal imagery, but for stink, it would just been like this heap of shit. The whole place probably reeked sweat and bo and it's a fun trip yeah that was that was fun that was snowshoe from uh, me cove to pleasant bay um but i i do like that feeling when you're you like finish you sit in completion and 
you're so satisfied with yourself and and the universe you know yeah it, it's and and you you might have like a beer that you've been thinking about for the last week or two weeks or like a hamburger or, or like just to get those cravings done and it, it but it is it's also interesting that when you're on these trips like you're so focused on the end sometimes just getting there it's like fuck i just want to this like i just want to i just want to finish it now like I, like it's been a good trip but like i'm ready to to, to get back i'm ready, ready to get back to reality and then you have this high and then you're just like oh okay yeah <laughs> oh yeah this is reality <laughs> yeah so what's going on with the youtube channel nowadays um you got something new coming out I yeah hear? yeah so this past summer we so myself alex and our two other buddies did a uh a 30-day canoe trip up in the arctic and we started on great slave lake and the goal was to go 850 kilometers north to the arctic ocean uh we had we we had some bumps along the way. I don't want to give away too much information, but uh, we might not have got to the end. <laughs> okay. Tune uh, in, tune in to find yeah, out. Tune in. <laughs> but it, it was an incredible, it was an incredible month. The, the Barren Lands is, is spectacular. Yeah. I, I've wanted to go up there for so long, and before going up there, I, I had some some thoughts of of what it would be like, but it's totally different. Interesting. How so? It, it's you think barren land, you're like, okay, well, there's no, there's nothing here, but there, there's so much, there's so much life that's just really, really small, like, like in the shrubs. And then the amount of wildlife up there is incredible. Like what was some of the stuff that you guys saw? So we saw probably over 20 muskox, um, wow. wo- Arctic wolves, uh, caribou, moose, fox. And we had one wildlife experience that was pretty fucked um leave it for the video yeah yeah. (laughs) you can tell us off i'll tell you guys after but it was pretty (laughs) fucked Uh, but yeah and then then the fishing up there talking about fishing i've never experienced fishing like i did up there this past summer really absolutely insane crazy yeah the uh the lake trout fishing and the arctic grayling fishing it was just uh incredible like it what made that so unique just the quantity quantity and quality of the fish cool uh lake trout are typically they're really deep yeah um and more in in the provinces and a little more south but the water's so cold up there that they hunt and they live in the upper 10 feet so you don't you don't have to do down riggers or or drop your lure really deep you you can catch lake trout 10 pound lake trout on the fly on dry flies jesus and (laughs) you can catch some up there, I, I don't know if the record's been caught on Great Slave Lake. It might have been, but you can catch 60, 70 pound lake trout. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's, it's insane. And they're over 100 nuts. years old, too. That is nuts. It's insane. And, and the water's so cold. So then the meat is just. Yeah. Whatever it was, the, the meat, the flesh on, on these lake trout were, were salmon red. Wow. And, and you could eat fish every night it's like that in, uh, i mean the trout aren't that big in the highlands but it's like that up in the highlands in a lot of places it's like a pink or um, um like bright bright orange almost like pinkish orange color uh, all of the trout like trout in all the waterways in the highlands yeah it's a, a lot like that similar i think yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, and the, the color makes it i don't know if it, it's just like vis- the visuals make it taste better but whatever it does like the, that that red meat is delicious. My, yeah my dad swears that that those trout taste so much better and it's all it's pretty much in their, in their diet it's what they're eating you know bugs and that sort of stuff up there interesting yeah crazy man 100 pounds Fuck. that is insane <laughs> yeah your rod would break in half probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's like man oh man i did a oh, holy christ that's a big trout we don't get what past two, three pounds here. Like two, three pounds, you're getting a good one. Yeah, well, up there it's a different type of it's a different species of trout. Yeah, yeah. The, the lake trout they're different than the brook trout that we have. Yeah, and they do get bigger, but but still, like uh, actually, we might have some uh, lake trout in some of our deeper lakes here. There, uh, yeah, there, it's it's somewhere. I don't. It's not something that I know much about. But um, but yeah, I was reading through the manual, and there is like certain windows of time for the um, for, for that sort of trout. Yeah, what do you got going on here? Oh, filming. Is that what you're doing? Filming. Taking a photo? Just a pic. <laughs> so what's going on with you? Um, you were mentioning uh, that you're kind of uh, focusing more on developing the channel a little bit last week when we spoke. Yeah, so this isn't even uh, 
this is the first time this is coming out actually oh we can cut it but yeah no let's do it um so i i uh so i i work full-time at a consulting firm as a geologist yep but just this past year i've started working part-time there to uh to spend more time on the channel and and pursuing this passion a little more so expect i I know we've we've been lots of questions about we've gone kind of quiet on youtube just because we've been editing this this series yeah but i can just i can tell you now that there's going to be more consistent content coming out in the near future. Awesome. Including the quick plug for this, this Arctic series, it should be coming out late February, early March. That's great. Yeah. And are you getting into doing, um, like doing this sort of like, is it mostly trip based content or is there going to be a lot of like gear reviews and tips and that sort of stuff? Is that kind of where you're leaning into? Or are you just going to go straight with just trips? Uh- I'd like to to stay just trips. Yeah. yeah. But trips can be anything. It could be a day trip. It could be a weekend trip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, get, just more trips. How do you, and, and what's the, um, fuck, I had a question there and I totally forgot. I was like, oh yeah, that's gonna be a good question. Anyways, how long, how long does it take you guys to finish? Uh, so say this, this trip, right? This, this, um, the last one you did, the one that's coming out in February, um, editing wise, how much time and effort do you guys put in editing? And do you both do it or is it just primarily you? So on most trips that that we do together, Alex and I, we we split the work. Yeah. But on this specific trip, it's just me doing the editing. And I started working on it in the in October, and every morning from five a.m. to eight a.m. I, I edit before work, and sometimes in the evenings. And right now, I'm probably about halfway done. Cool. So it it takes a lot of time. It does. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you you could appreciate that. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, I overthink things too much, and I need to get more into simplification of like the projects. That's why this blog or vlog thing that I wanted to do was more or less that side of things. But because a lot of the other projects were that that I haven't put out, they've been like a year delayed because of my schedule. Is, I couldn't dedicate the time to edit, but I'm 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 halfway through doing. The Strawberry Run dock, which was supposed to come out last spring. So that's the Marguerite River trip I did with Jimmy and Ashley and Wes. Wes Booth came with me and uh, no relation to you, right? No relation. No but we relation. tell everyone we're, we're related. <laughs> <laughs> we're brothers. And yeah. then uh, so we did the Marguerite. This is the first time we paddled the entire Marguerite River. Um, but I tried to approach them more like document. We did the Tento Ellis trip. Oh, yeah, that's the next one that's up afterwards um, to go through those. I didn't even look at that footage yet. That yeah. was a fun trip. I'm going to give you a hand with that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, editing does take a while. And my issue is is um, the pre-planning for like a documentary. I tried to streamline it, but it's like I don't have any experience in it. And, and then once you get out in the field, it's like everything goes to shit. So it's more or less like uh, 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 your approach to it, you know, um, talking like the biggest thing for me that the gaps for us when we did the things with any of the videos was more or less narrate my narration of like what is happening and doing it in the moment rather than trying to deal with it in the after in the post when you have to do your voiceovers and weave things together i would i'm I'm being more conscious about always even though i i might not use half of it at least i have it and i can re-record what i did like we are you know, we're doing do a vlog about this trip to Halifax. I'm just like, yeah, we're in Halifax doing this, this, and this, bunch of B-roll. And then, because if not, then you don't have it. And then you got to try to figure out how the fuck do I weave this shot to this shot to this shot and tell the story and that sort of stuff. But yeah, and, and you don't know that until you're in the editing booth being like, fuck, I, 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 we missed this crucial part of the trip. <laughs> and and, yeah. and th- that's why it's sometimes you, you got to get the camera out in the worst in the worst situations because you need to get that storyline too for, for the folks watching watching the video mm-hmm. and sometimes it's the worst so the last thing you want to do is grab the camera like when you're feeling like shit on the uh on that hike do you guys film that trip or no no that was just uh, we, ones, we're just doing client work there we're working on um uh the seawall a, a version of seawall like part doing part of seawall but we're changing the route doing a different route um in march so it'd be march 10th i messaged dave about this because we were talking the other day and i just said oh by the way we're putting a trip together with some friends and filming it um the 10th to the i think i mentioned this to you too 10th to like the 16th or 17th i think i'm just going to leave it open-ended um and uh that one i'm gonna film but that one is more or less going to be like bring your camera or your your phone um 
and record like um, check-ins in the morning during the day and then a bunch of us swap GoPros and I'm just going to try to streamline the entire process. Like probably not bring my big camera with me. I'll probably just film off a phone and GoPro shit and try to do it lightweight and see. But but yeah, I, I know specifically the 10 dwellers run. Um, when we left and we went down the Shelburne River, that for the when we were basically walking the canoes or open the canoes down through that shallow area for like 4K, um, we didn't film any of that. See, those are the shots that you don't want to bring a camera out, but but those are the ones I know. that really that's the spice of the video, right? Yeah, because it's like the that was the challenge of that day. So we were like it was like day two or three or something, and we were going down the Shelburne and we went through the first couple lakes, and then it just there was a 4K section before Indian Falls. And it, when we were running Indian Falls, I was just like you know, I'm thinking, it says there's a falls I'm here. Falls. I'm thinking like, it's going to be a big waterfalls, like a 10 foot drop or something. Right. And so I'm like, Alec, pay attention to where we're at. I don't know where we're at. And we're, you know, we're like, Oh, we're coming up on it. Looking at the watch. And then we like, run oh. the set of rapids and we're like, it must be around here somewhere. And he goes, Oh, I think we just went over it. That was it. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Oh, well, I guess the falls down here mean something different than Cape Breton. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, but that was, that was a fun part that we didn't have and, and, but it's all learning, man. It's all and fun and, and whatever. But I, I think now it's like with the technology that is at our fingertips, like you could do, it, it really depends on the application and what your end result is going to be. But like most of the stuff I'm probably going to end up using my phone and GoPro 11 that I just ordered. So, and that's, that's pretty much, so it's lightweight, the pack in a little bag, couple extra batteries. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, and, and also even I don't know how many trips I've filmed, but I always forget something. What when I I learned that when I when I'm editing. So I've started. I have this logbook beside me when I'm editing, and and I always do a lessons learned after a trip, and and write down things that I should have done, which I I try to remember to use for the next one. Yeah, and then that that's helped me try to fill those gaps. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got a few of those. <laughs> So, Noah, um, where can our listeners find you if they don't know about you already? So, the best place to find us is on Northern Scavenger on YouTube. Northern Scavenger is spelled how you'd think it is. We also have Instagram, which we're not as active on, but I would say definitely check out some of our longer trips on YouTube, Northern Scavenger. Awesome. There we are. All right. Well, thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me, guys. Boom. See you next week. <laughs>